Welcome to The Building Code, everybody. Zach Watovich here. And I'm Charlie Bertwistle. Charlie, look at you all all logoed out today. You've got double double dipping. So you wouldn't know this because you were 10 minutes late. Oh, but here we go. I actually showed up <laughs> in like a rain jacket and a hat. And you did? Courtney yelled at me. And John luckily had an extra polo and hat. So these are both uh, courtesy of John Beck, our wonderful Got producer. it. So, so you were late, or I was late. Yeah. and But I had the right attire. I was actually late so too. Would, you were just late too. But yeah. <laughs> I would call that a, we're even. We're even. But Zach, that's enough about us. Tell our wonderful listeners who we have on the podcast Yeah, today. of course. Today we've got Tim Coffrin. He is out of Denver, Colorado, Alderview Construction. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to Tim about what's going on out in Denver. First off, great place. Great yeah. people. Been there many times, BT on the road a while back. Yeah, um, I forgot about that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, we're talking a little bit about his business and kind of get into uh, vendor relationships. So, you know, let's not delay any further. Let's get Tim going. Tim, welcome to The Building Code. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. Good. Have you ever been on a podcast before? I always like to ask. I have. I've been a couple. Nice. Yep. Yeah. All a right. veteran, an absolute All construction-related one. so. Nice. Yeah. Well, and Zach and I actually have another non-construction-related podcast that uh, we're going <laughs> to yeah, start. Shoot. We'll get you on that, too. Yeah. Uh, just kidding. We're not <laughs> doing it. that. Um, but no, uh, first time on this podcast, though, so very excited to have you. Uh, could you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got started in construction? Yeah. So like you said, uh, Tim Coffrin um, out of Denver, Colorado. We kind of work in the Denver metro area. Uh, started Alderview Construction eight years ago. Uh, prior to that, I was in commercial construction, and prior to that, going to school and getting my construction man- management degree, and before that, uh, working residential. So, kind of always between commercial and residential, and kind of that realm. That's amazing. Well, and I love talking to people who kind of seen the full spectrum because I think it brings a lot of differences, but also some great insight about maybe what the commercial people do that can apply to the residential thing. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how your team has grown. What, you know, you started out a a little while back, like what, what's your setup look like now? Yeah. So I think for us, you know, from the very beginning, you know, it was just me from the very beginning. So I I left the commercial world and have realized that that wasn't the best fit for my personality. wasn't the best fit for my family, just because there's a lot of travel, Mm. nothing against commercial. It just wasn't a good fit for me. There's a lot of travel and I wanted something more stable and just wanted to build a better legacy for my family and for the future. So I stepped away from a commercial contractor I was working with eight years ago, went out on my own. And I think the biggest thing I noticed when I was with the commercial companies I just saw that they always had the great ones had great system and great process behind all of them. Mm-hmm. There was no guesswork of how you do any certain thing. There's always a system or a procedure of how you perform that or some kind of checklist that you perform it. So when I came into the commercial world, that was something I was like, I'm definitely going to implement this because I saw that there was a need and a lack for that in the residential world. Yeah, I kind of figured, you know, that's that's how every contractor I've talked to that started commercials like I'm going to come down and, and get this thing run in like like a well-oiled machine like those big commercial builders when you were traveling like were you going and doing large developments or was it more like kind of like um like like highway construction like we have a lot of that in our network yeah so it was it was a commercial contractor and as opposed to doing civil like a lot of earthwork so the projects i was on the first one was actually sky harbor airport oh, so we were okay. doing a big um, terminal addition there and then kind of doing a connection from the train to the different terminals 
And then from there, I was doing a big tilt-up project, doing a lot of concrete, self-performed concrete work. We were always on the management side, so we'd manage the crews and then working on like an air traffic control tower. So aviation was kind of where I started in that. And then from there, I went to a company and we did assisted living, like a big um, assisted living project. I love it. So I always love talking to people like you that start their own company. And I love hearing just a little bit more about the journey. Uh, so yeah. you've alluded to kind of the initial spark and why you wanted to get into the residential space, start your own, uh, your own company. Could you tell us a little bit about how Alderview came to fruition, maybe some of the early struggler struggles and, and where you're at today? Yeah. So I think for me, it's always having that like beginning in mind or the end in mind for me. So like from the beginning, I always knew that even before I started having children and all that, I knew that I always wanted the family to be the focus of everything I did. So I wanted it where the business or the career that I had always supported the family and not vice versa. And that really is what drove me into being an entrepreneur. I always had that spirit about me. And I realized that that was the best path that I couldn't get that working for somebody else that I needed to be in control of my own destiny in that, in that aspect. So that's how I got started. I got started in there. I picked residential because of the connections and the relationship with the end user. Commercial, we didn't get that a lot. You know, we yeah. were working with these people and you never, you'd meet the owners, but it was always an owner's representative. It was never really the, the true owner. You'd see the users of the space, but it really didn't do much for them. I like the residential because yes, you have that headache that comes with residential, but you gain this true connection with them and it just makes it more meaningful at the end of the day. You're building for people who have the same morals, the same standards, the same kind of goals in life. And I love that. I like that aspect of it. How big is your team now? So our team right now, so we have um, a project coordinator and then we have a project assistant that's in our office side that handles that. And then we have a superintendent out in the field. And then we're getting ready actually to hire two more superintendents by the end of next month. Well, I, I was you know taking a peek at your website in preparation and I see you serve pretty much the entire Denver Metro too. So, you know, I'm sure no shortage of, uh, of places you're jumping all over. Yeah. It's been a good market for us. I mean, just kind of throughout the country, you know, but Denver has been a really good market. It's been really stable, stable through the growth through even before COVID, we had a really hot housing market. And then COVID accelerated that in a lot of aspects. And we position ourselves, we try to continue to position ourselves into kind of that luxury space. And in some ways, we're kind of sheltered from some of the stuff because our price point is just a little bit higher. And I think that's where we've tried to be from the beginning. And we're continuing to try to cultivate that a little bit more and get into that space. But we try to keep a, a tighter geographical area. So like if you took like a radius, like we really only work within a 35 to 45 minute drive radius mm-hmm. from where we're at. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, we'll pick up a project up in the mountains, but that's only for like a repeat client, something that we've worked with in the past. D- dang, I was I was looking at some of the homes on your website and I was hoping maybe you'd come to Omaha for me. Sounds <laughs> yeah, like exactly. maybe a little far away. Um, He's always yeah. trying to get a deal. Whoever first builder in Omaha, kind of a great client. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We had uh, that one guest on one time that was talking about uh, like in-home elevators. Remember yeah. that? And I have like, you know, a two story house, but it would yeah. still be sick to have yeah. a little uh, luxury elevator. He gets paid more oh, yeah. for the building we actually, code. We actually did a project with one of those. It's pretty really? fun. So it was a, it was a glass elevator. It was kind of an agent place, um, home that they wanted. And the elevator went three stories and it was a glass kind of Willy Wonka style glass elevator, you know, from the basement all the way up. And it's pretty cool. Retrofitting that in there, the glass all came from Canada and wow, one project. 
that just speaks, Charlie. You need, you need a glass elevator. Yeah, see, there you go. We're right up your alley. Yeah. You're looking yeah. for an elevator. Buy a little 1,700 square foot house with the crappy Yeah, elevator. yeah. I an paid. elevator that just goes one story up. Yeah. yeah. Yep, I got it. Yeah, it costs as much as my house, but it's sick, right? Like, yeah. Uh, it's great. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Showpiece. Uh, another really, really interesting thing that I saw on your website while I was looking at those beautiful pictures uh, was that you actually partner with a select group of trade partners and vendors uh, to kind of provide you with a builder, mm -hmm. better building experience. Can you share more about this and just kind of how you establish these relationships to start with and then maintain them moving forward? Yeah, so that's the core of really our business is like we really have to have those relationships in order to succeed. So like you look on the website, you see all these beautiful pictures. We don't like we just build those pictures. I didn't design those. So like if we don't have the design team behind us, the interior design team, the architecture team, our projects are going to be basic. It's going to be stuff we're coming up with. And I never, never want to be in that position because we want to partner with interior designers and architects that push the envelope of our skill sets. And we're having to reach out and say, how do you put an elevator in house? Who do we need to contact with? What does the elevator pit look like? What does the structure look like? And it helps us to be a better builder. So to answer your question from the beginning, having been in commercial, I realized that those relationships, there was never a commercial project where we didn't have a design team behind us there was always design support. And so in residential, I felt it needed to be the same way. So from the beginning, I looked at the interior designers, the architects as the clients that I'm working with, because those mm -hmm. are the people that I'm going to have repeat jobs with. Right. I need to establish relationships with them because a lot of times they're coming in before us as the builder. And they're the ones that are representing our company, speaking about us. And then we come to the table and we already have a rapport with them. And that's huge. I mean, that's been from the beginning, I'd say that's really what's accelerated our company from the beginning is just having that vision and saying, we need to partner with these people and we need them to kind of sell us. So then when we come right. to the table, there's already that trust factor built in because it's hard to establish that trust, right? Like, especially as a contractor, there's always that notion that you're getting ripped off for this guy's shady and whatnot. And it's breaking that mold in our industry and teaching, educating clients that know you could have a contractor that works in a team setting that's professional, that has forms, that has systems, that has organization and has transparency. That's super interesting too, because in a way it's kind of your sales pipeline. It sounds like you didn't mention in kind of your staffing model that you have a, a sales team necessarily. You're, no. you're attaching to these yeah, designers right. who are bringing you the work. You have the symbiotic relationship. That's right. a, a really interesting um, business strategy. Yeah, I think it's worked well for us. You know, for me, it's like from the beginning, it's like it's hard, right? You're trying to establish jobs, trying to get anything that you could take. But at the same time, you're trying to be selective and picky because you don't want to brand yourself a certain way. So it's like if you don't want to do kitchens the rest of your career, then why are you branding yourself towards kitchens, which is so tough in the beginning because you need the revenue. Mm -hmm. You need to like keep the business going. Mm -hmm. But it's like selectively posting the pictures that highlight your project in such a way like spending the extra money to have a photographer and maybe it's a small job in the beginning and it's just like a bathroom, but maybe you can highlight some little detail and not show the whole space and still make it look grandioso. Right. And that's, that's a challenge. It's trying to like cultivate it such a way, not to be fake. I mean, you want to be, be authentic about the whole thing, but cultivate it in such a way that it fits the image that you're trying to portray. That's your logo. That's your forms, your email, even down to your email signature. Like it's all branded in such a way to attract those type of clients. I wonder if Courtney's fist pumping over. I was going to say, I was, or, uh, uh, I was literally just thinking it's our brand. You're speaking our language <laughs> yeah. for sure. 
the same exact issues or I would I'd say opportunities that we have. Uh, we actually just launched a new brand. When was that? January. January. Um, we're rocking oh, nice. it. Um, What's that one? Oh, like the new like new logo, logo thing, like rebranding. Yeah. Yep. But then they go as yeah. far as like you know just the the copy on our websites and ensuring that we're always using a consistent tone and our message Holy. to our customers and everything. And it's exactly what you were just saying. If you're if you're not trying to be a certain thing, then why do you have any material on that thing? Like know what you're good at, know what you want to do and know what sort of customers you want and speak to that. Um, so a, a lot yeah. of uh, overlap between what you just said and what Courtney's been no, preaching at Builder Trend. Yeah, she keeps yelling at us to make sure we're wearing our brand right. <laughs> well, I think that's a huge thing because some people might look at it and be like, oh, that's so silly like that I have the same font on every single form. And mm-hmm. it's like, that stuff matters. Yeah. Like it really does matter to the clientele that we're trying to craft our business after. I mean, you think of like a, a larger company like an Apple or Google, like can you imagine if they had email signatures that were different coming from different people, like it was formatted differently right. or if people had different um, handles, Instagram handles, and they were posting differently or set up differently. Like, yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's funny. It's like those little things. It's, it's part of the experience, you know, and that experience is. will grab it. Really and I think we live in a generation where they care more about the experience now than previous generations did. I mean, you look at, you talk to most people that are kind of in our clientele that are in that 30 to 45, you know, 50 range. And most of them are like the experience based. They all like traveling. They like doing that because of the experience that travel brings. And they're looking for that in companies too. They're looking for companies that provide a better experience and a better process. And, you know, it creates the, the value that and then they'll they'll be willing, willing to pay more for it too right like it helps you upsell mm-hmm. and like generate more revenue on top of that so it's kind of this like compounding effect in those little details add up to like this they're easy to do they take a little extra time but what you get in return is just 10x oh totally like it's like pushing a proposal together like imagine pushing a proposal and say it's a high number that's above their budget mm-hmm. And if there's spelling errors in there and things like <laughs> anal things, like if it's not lined up perfectly on the columns and little things like that. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, we're paying you how much? But then if you right. have that, it's formatted nice. It looks all like consistent. They're looking at that and saying, okay, they don't, it helps sell it a lot better mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing that we were going to kind of talk about, whether well, that was a, that was a fun, like little, little tangent, like yeah. you know, a brand, yeah. not, not on yeah. the script. Well, Went, went down that road. Yeah, I love sorry. it. That's, that's <laughs> important. Yeah, that, for sure. Um, what are some of the things that you learned as you were kind of up and coming, like mistakes that maybe, you know, maybe this was one of them that like your branding does matter and your image and mm-hmm. kind of what, who you're trying to attract. Are there any other lessons that, you know, you kind of picked up as you continue to scale your company? Yeah, I think that's a great question because no one wants to talk about failures, right? Mistakes. I and mean, I think those failures we learn the most from. So for me, if I could go back and change anything, it'd be learning how to say no earlier on. I think as I, the company matured and our clientele matured and they got more sophisticated, our product got more sophisticated, obviously gave you that confidence and you see that you have you know money in the bank. You're not worried of like living from job to job. You're saying we could say no. But from the beginning, it'd be like learning how to say no. Like now we have non-negotiables and we have certain areas we're like, this is a non-negotiable. Like we don't negotiate on this item. And it could be something as simple as shower glass. And it's like, no, we always do Starfire shower glass because it's a clear, you're not going to get that green tint. That's a non-negotiable. So we're not going to price up a cheaper glass system. That's a non-negotiable. If you're going to work with us, that's how it is. And so and a lot of that comes over time, but it's crafting in such a way and saying, okay, these are mistakes we've made. 
And now these are areas that we just don't negotiate on this. We can negotiate on some other items, but these we don't negotiate on. I wish I would have done that earlier on in the business, just had more of the confidence to say, nope. But in the beginning, you're just hungry for it. And you're like, ah, it doesn't really fit perfectly. Yeah, we'll take that job. And then at the end, you're like, why did we take that job? Like we just <laughs> did not go well. Yeah, the the classic, like if you're trying to do everything, are you really doing anything? Um, Zach and I were actually just talking about that in a meeting this morning. It's like mm. focus on you know two or three key things that you want to excel at and do those really, really, really damn well and, and don't worry about the rest. Oh, and all the rest is about falling into place. It's like it could be simple as like if we're doing a new build or say like a high-end renovation, it's like it could be as simple as like four bullet points. It could be like, okay, the client has to be a great client. We have to have a good relationship with them, hit it off in the beginning. If they're asking us questions where they just don't trust us and it's really questions, that's a non-negotiable. Like it has to have that relationship. That could be one. It has to be a location that we're proud to build in. It can't be in an area that we're worried about crime or theft or things where it's like a long drive and distance that's going to put a lot of strain on the team. It has to have a great design. If there's not a great design, a great design team, then that's a non-negotiable. We don't want to be part of that project. We have to be proud and want to post that on our social media as well. If not, then why are we working on that project? I'd love to hear a little bit more. I, I love that sentiment, by the way. I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, kind of how you view your client relationships. So we talked a little bit about the upstream and, and your designers and architects and stuff that you work with. But once you actually sign yeah. the contract, you get started on the build. Uh, what's that sort of back and forth like? Yeah, so from the very beginning, and this is, I guess, another lesson learned is I wish I had a better vetting process in the beginning. A lot of times, you know, I think at the beginning as contractors, we start off, we're really scared and hesitant to ask or we're fearful to ask about price. You know, budget's always a scary thing when you talk to people. It's like, well, I don't want to talk about budget because they're going to think that I'm like, you know, trying to upsell on different things. But it's like turning the conversation around and say, no, the budget is a tool just as much as the schedule is a tool. And let's discuss that from early on. And so one thing we do that's really important is we try to vet our subcontractors we vet them, we ask like, what size of company they have, uh, what their staff makeup looks like, um, make sure they have obviously the stuff like insurance, all that stuff that's non-negotiables, but also trying to get into the meat of their company, what neighborhoods do they work in? And then same with the clients, like in the beginning, like on our website, we ask them what neighborhood they're in, what their budget's like, or do they have an interior designer or an architect already scheduled on the project? And that's kind of like the first barrier that you have to get through is that screening process. If you kind of pass that, then it kind of engages the next step of it. But if you answer no on any of those, then we'll kindly reply and say that we're not the best fit for you. You know, we wish you the best luck. Yeah, I've, I've talked to builders a lot about that. And the ones that are a little newer, they really struggle with that. They, they're afraid to, you know, turn away people that they think, you know, they're the only option. Like there might be a market where they don't have a total uh, ability to like get uh, various labor, but you know, inevitably something happens and then they're really wishing that they had, you know, done their due diligence or set up processes at least, or had an agreement between the sub about when things needed to be done. Um, and mm -hmm. so it's, it's just, it's, it's so critical, obviously the success of constructions to make sure your trade relationships are, you know, solid and the best builders, you know, really treat them like internal employees and like they really yeah. you know make sure that they are getting what they need in a timely fashion and there's i've always respected that kind of relationship of that sub gc dynamic 
that yeah, a I mature builder has realized over years with experience. Yeah, no, I like that. I think it's, you look at it, it's like, I can't be the contractor for everybody, nor do I want to be the contractor mm-hmm. for everybody. Like I'm not even a good contractor for myself. If I was going to hire Alderview, like I'm, I'm not the Alderview's ideal client. It's like, I want to be a, a company that's only for a select few. It's not a good fit for everybody. Purposely, it's not a good fit for everybody. I don't want to be this catch-all company that's like, yes, we go all the way down to a bathroom renovation, all the way down or all the way up to a $10 million new build. It's mm-hmm. not going to work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are there any other advice you would get to a builder that is just getting started? Like, you know, we've touched on that quite a bit, but is there any other other words of wisdom that you could give to them? Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, construction is challenging because you're working in the business, but then when you're actually working on the project, you're not working on the business. Yeah, and that's so challenging. I think for a lot of contractors, and we see this with a lot of our subcontractors, that the owner of the business also has his bags on, he's out in the field. But then when you're out in the field, you're missing on all the opportunities of networking. You're missing on the opportunities of finding like a great software like Builder Trend or something like that to kind of better your system. Cause you're just down in the trenches with the guys figuratively and literally you're down in the trenches. So that was advice I got early on from a mentor of mine is he's like, you need to resist that urge. I know like you like doing hands on. I think we all enjoy that construction process. We all like picking up a drill or picking up a hammer and just creating something. Right. But you got to resist that urge and focus on the business and hire people to take care of that stuff. Not have that pride and say, I could do it better than everybody else. Cause you can't, there's somebody else that could do it better and finding a system and a process that can get you out of the field would be my biggest advice. Cause that's going to really hinder your growth if you can't get out of the field. Right. And you mentioned uh, a builder trend in there. Um, and we try not to be too salesy on the podcast, but I was kind of digging around in your account before we hopped on here and you guys used the heck out of it. Um, so I'd love to hear just from your perspective as, you know, kind of one of our power users, when did you first kind of decide to make, decide it was time to bring in a project management software like Builder Trend um, and how you went about kind of onboarding and implementing it uh, to, to, to streamline your business. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think it's trying to be sales pitchy at all. I mean, I wouldn't agree to be on this podcast if I didn't believe in Builder Trend. And it's like, obviously I'm not getting paid to be on this podcast, but it's like, I support things that actually have influenced our business and Builder Trend has. So to answer your question, from the beginning, we always had a system and a process, but it was always a mixture of different systems. So it was using this format, this software, and they're all kind of blended together, but it wasn't really this cohesive thing, but it worked in the beginning because it was just me doing it. So I had access to all the forms. I was my Excel files. It was everything on, on Dropbox, everything like that. But then when I decided like, okay, now's the time to continue to grow the team that's when I was like, I need a better system. So I was used to different platforms being in commercial on the commercial side, you know, different, some of them being your competitors, but most of them not really your competitors because they're more in the commercial space. So I was used to that and I saw how it functioned. And so it's really a perfect relationship. Once I found Builder Trend, it just harmonized with our structure and our business. And so it was a no brainer at that point. So we got on Builder Trend about three years ago. And in the beginning, to be totally honest with you, in the beginning, we dabbled in some of the stuff because we were kind of resistant and said, okay, our forms are formatted a little bit better than Builder Trend. And there's still some things where it's like, I wish it was formatted a little bit better. I had a little bit more control of how I format my logo because it's coming in way too big when I PDF this and I send it and I'm like, dang it. Now I need to like go and like fix this. 
because those are important like we talked about yeah. but then it got to a point where it's like okay i just need to like give up some of those things because the advantages that come from builder trend are huge that's a very common experience for our contractors and especially for our custom home builders and custom work because they're so used to like everything being you know able to be changed like a contract details. customizable yeah, yeah right like literally like the, whole the process. schedule like being able to customize exactly how yeah. the schedule will show up and i'm limited on builder trend yeah and and that's just kind of there's this always this moment of no return i always like to ask builders like what was it what <laughs> what flipped the switch for you what made you say okay i'm willing to give up the control because i get yeah. x y and z that's a great question so in the beginning we were just using like daily logs we're like okay we see the advantage of daily logs we were just pushing our change orders through builder trend just getting the sign off on it i think the commitment was the last year we made a com commitment as a team and said okay are we going to be all in on this or are we going to kind of be straddling the fence on it and we did, made a commitment as a team to be all in and so we brought all of our financials into builder trend and there's some hiccups of course there is it's a new system there's some different controls that we don't have but the advantages of having it in one place and our schedule having it in one place and be able to tie our to-dos together and assign to-dos to our clients, that was a game changer for us. I've, I've spoken to different builders about this before, but like our clients have such a high expectation for their builders, which they should, they absolutely should, and they have high expectation for their design team and how they want their home to turn out. So why as builders should we not have a high expectation for our owners? And we do, I have a high expectation for them. If you're hiring us, we expect you to be savvy enough with technology to be able to respond to to-dos, be able to respond to assignments, be able to look over selections, be able to make selections and stuff like that, because that's what you expect of us. Yeah, I love that. Um, and it was maybe slight tangent here, but uh, you mentioned other builders. I believe you and Zach are both going to be at a summit next week two weeks oh you're coming out there, that's Zach? right yeah i was i was gonna i was gonna end on that note with you tim that I, we're actually gonna meet up in arizona <laughs> right, so you're gonna golf with golf with us uh, funny story i'm not a golfer so i i would uh, love to I'm ride in the cart either, but <laughs> well no one wants to watch me golf <laughs> yeah, exactly. i'd be mortified they'd be like oh the builder trend guy we have golf cart yeah. like golf greens all over our office and i'm like the one guy from builder trend who's like oh, i don't know i don't think that's me <laughs> So I would love to like, hey guys, let's talk about construction <laughs> or builder trend while I ride in the car. The day where nobody really cares anymore. Yeah, know? true. It's, just... <laughs> it's true. I'll have to like Mr. Magoo it out there and just suffer. You know. <laughs> well, that'd be nice. I'm excited to see you out there yeah. in person. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah, let me know how it is. Yeah, there's kind of a running. Uh, Longtime listeners will know Charlie never gets to leave the office. I'm just gallivanting all over the United States. You can see he's extremely frustrated. You're the one that gets a wine and dine, everybody. That's right. <laughs> but he's right. I mean, I golf. I would be over there. So for yeah, wine and dine on the golf yeah, course. Next time. Oh, yeah. didn't make the cut. I don't know. I don't know. Um, no, that's a, that. Is this your first time going to? It you is. The one in Nashville. Does he? Um, uh, yeah. So we. This is our second one going to it, and. We love it. I mean, there's so much information and the relationship we build with these different builders. Yeah. I'm so valuable. You know, we just builders across the country and seeing how different builders do people. I mean, even like today, I messaged three different builders that we met at the last one in Huntington Beach, just about very different topics, you know, talking about different things. We've done different things with different builders where they're like, have done builder trend in certain aspects. So we're calling them and saying, Hey, how are you guys doing out in California with this and builder trend? Can we uh, message each other 
you just can't get that. It's one thing I, I appreciate the support that Builder Trend has. You guys have great support. It does get challenging sometimes because it's not people actually using it. You know, it's not like real builders mm-hmm. and not, nothing against that, but it's like so valuable when I have other people I can network with and say, Hey, how are you importing those cost codes and what cost codes are you using for this? And have you found a good way to change over this cost or cost code into this aspect and how are you managing that cost code? Yeah. I have a feeling I'll be very popular. Uh, when it comes to the builder trend, uh, <laughs> you know, You're gonna get a lot of feedback. It's going to be a lot of fun. Or, you know, I love it. I, I was a consultant for builder trend, so I traveled and you oh, know, nice. I, I'm used to the lines then. So I'm ready now. 40, 40 at once. We'll see. You, if you'll still, get it because yeah. people are passionate. Exactly. I care. They'd be like, oh, I don't care about that. But there's like <laughs> things we talked with our builders. Like, oh, I wish builder trend did this, but it's nice when I could talk to you guys, you know, talk in different settings that yeah. we network, like at IBS and things like that and chat more about that. Uh, yeah. I always have the best time. It's going to be a ton of fun. So yeah, it's, yeah, you you'll, know, you'll enjoy it. will be there. Be beautiful. Yeah. Funny enough, my, my mom lives there and like, we're going to miss oh, each nice. other. Yeah. She's coming back as I'm going. So I was like, well, oh, darn. I know I'm hanging but, out with Zach's mom. this week. That weekend, so. <laughs> wow. Out of context. That's a yeah, clip. Exactly. That's a little awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure you guys will have a fantastic time. I can't wait to hear all about it. Um, I'll give you the recap. We'll tell you all about it. We'll post things yeah. on there. Like, Oh yeah, I'm sure. Charlie. Like, <laughs> yeah. The next time Tim blessed. is on the pod, we'll yeah. give you the you guys should Actually, you take a pic when you guys are oh, we will. there together. For so sure. Right. That'll be fun. We will. Um, I think we're getting close to time. Um, peeking at my little clock here, Tim, it was fantastic to have you on. Uh, always really, really, um, I would say motivational for me to talk to customers like you that are so driven and so care, so much care that goes into their work. Um, it just kind of reminds me of why I come in and work at Builder Trend is to help out people like you. And it was just fantastic to talk. So really appreciate it. Any last words, um, for our listeners before you, you sign off? Yeah, and no, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the partnership. I appreciate you guys just be willing to hear different builders and adjust your system and constantly innovating your product. That goes a long way. It shows that you guys actually care about what you're trying to deliver. We'll, it's our, we'll our clip, pleasure. As you say, we'll clip that and send it to our product team. Sure they'll, <laughs> they'll love the feedback. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, no, Tim. I appreciate being on the podcast. It's always good to be able to share my story with, with other people. And I think, you know, hopefully that resonates with other builders. I think it's so hard when you're down in the trenches and you feel like you're alone, you're on this island that nobody else has these stresses. You're dealing with all these headaches of materials and pricing and subcontractor labor force. And it gets lonely. Like it really does. It gets lonely and it gets stressful. And then you're trying to manage your own personal life and everything else. I think the breath of fresh air is if you're able to get outside that and network with other builders, you know, like we're talking about this summit that, you know, AFT is putting on and, um, you know, NS builders and construction of style, like you network with these other people and then you realize, wow, these people are going through exactly what I'm going through right. and you get strength in that. And then you come back home, you have more motivation and say, okay, we got this, you know, this person is at this other stage. They figure it out. This person's younger than I am and I can help them figure it out. Just helping each other. I think we all just help each other as we do. We all are going to grow and become better. I love it. It's a great message and I'm in full support. I, that's one of my favorite things about the construction industry is how much of a community it, it really represents. And then mm-hmm. the more that they, they find each other, the more like there's this really incredible kind of like connection that, you know, it just, it's, it, it's a really unique, tough job that has it like, it's, 
you know, you're running businesses, you're running projects, you've got, you know, unique challenges. So uh, that's a great message, Tim. Well, I think that's it here on the building code. Uh, Tim, thanks again for coming on. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for having, having me. Back. It's been a pleasure. Charlie, another fantastic episode of the building code. As always, a lot of great topics, things on script, off script. We were getting into it with Tim. That was an amazing conversation. What was your favorite part? Yeah, I actually think that was maybe the most we kind of uh, have veered from our, our questions before. Um, just really, really organically interesting. Um, gosh, I mean, the, the the moral of the story is I need them to expand their radius that they build and move to uh, build my house in Omaha. I appreciate you taking your shot. I mean, class <laughs> elevator and all. No, but seriously, their website is uh, absolutely beautiful. I'm sure we can link it in the show notes there so everyone can go and check it out. But I actually think my favorite part of it was kind of the note we ended on there and just uh, the community of builders and networking. Um, we say this all the time here at Builder Trend. It's like, we're not the only company in the world that's facing these problems. Mm -hmm. um, other people have had these problems. Other people have figured them out yep. and other people want to share and help you. And I'd say that's especially true kind of in the residential construction community is like that kind of close knit and like want to want to reach out and help, which is why there's things like the conference that you're going to next week and why we do things like Builder Trend University and why we fly out to IBS and in Vegas is because that's just, I mean, you learn, well, maybe I shouldn't speak for everyone, but I learned more in those like two or three days than I do like the rest of the year combined. So I thought his perspective was great. I thought he was a great guy and a great guest, and we may have to shortlist him for the, the two-timer club. That's right, the the distinguished two-timer yeah. club. We'll just keep, you know, we, need to, we do need to start have you keep stats for us, you know? Like, you're the data guy. We should have, like, analytics on our our numbies, as you yeah. like to call them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm giving you homework live on the building code, everybody. We'll do that this weekend. You're like, another data poll? That's all I do for you. Jeez. I was guy. supposed to run a marathon this weekend, but maybe instead I will work on podcast analytics for you. I, I think that, you know, throw away work all day <laughs> for that. I appreciate that. They know this is what you do for me. That is what Respect I do for you. Zach Witovich, um here on the building code. I think that about does it. I'm going to try to wrap this one up before I get any more homework. Uh, that's a good call. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us today on the building code. Thank you, Tim, for joining. It was a great conversation. I'll see you in Arizona. And check us out next time. I'm Zach Witovich. And I'm Charlie Burtwistle. Whistle.